How many of y'all know a guy named Michael Jeffrey Jordan? Michael Jeffrey Jordan is probably professional basketball's greatest of all time. But Michael Jordan is also America's, one of America's richest entrepreneurs. As I began preparing this message, I found that Michael Jordan's net worth, net worth after taxes, was $2 billion, with a B, dollars. And just three weeks later, today, Forbes magazine says he's worth $3 billion, with a B. That's a rich dude, amen? Maybe you're that rich, too. Hallelujah. But here's how he got it. First of all, Michael Jordan recently sold his interest in a professional basketball team. That gave him a little bit of money. But he also owns a NASCAR racing team. Jordan receives tons of money by endorsing products like Nike, Coca-Cola, Chevrolet, McDonald's, Wheaties, Hanes Clothing, and also Gatorade. Michael Jordan owns his own shoe company. Surprise, surprise, right? But he also owns his own clothing company. He's part owner in a major league baseball team. Jordan owns multiple car dealerships. He owns multiple restaurants, several golf clubs. But what many people don't know about Michael Jordan is what it took to get where he is today. You see, Jordan didn't amass all of that wealth without a whole lot of diligent, hard work. It started way back when his career began at Laney High School. Then he went to the University of North Carolina. Then on to the Chicago Bulls. And y'all, the time, the effort, and the sheer turbulent times that he endured cannot be measured. It's incredible. But all of that paid off for Michael Jordan in the long run. Now, as much as we might admire Michael Jordan's hard work, it seems like to me that many Christians kind of avoid applying the same hard work to our Christian lives. It seems like many times we avoid applying the same amount of diligence to being the very best that we can be as Christians. So what is it that makes some Christians get after it and others not so much? Why do some Christians seem to go further in their relationship with God, but others not so much? Well, especially in turbulent times, and if you didn't know we're in turbulent times, but especially in turbulent times, as diligent Christians, hardworking Christians, you and I must know our mission. We must know our mission, and our mission simply is to grow in our relationship with God. And listen to me, make Jesus known. Grow in your relationship with God and make Jesus known. 
But you got to admit, it seems like that some believers, some Christians, seem to know God a little bit better than others. It seems that some believers have this incredible desire to experience more of God's blessings on their life. And the reason is, is that many of them are willing to put forth the extra effort that's required, listen to me, to grow spiritually in their faith. They put forth that extra effort to grow spiritually, especially in turbulent times. Now today's message shows us again this incredible connection between the imminent return of Jesus Christ and how you and I as Christians should be living in the midst of these turbulent times. So how? How should you and I be growing in light of Christ's return? In 2 Peter, that's on page 1079 in the Bibles in front of you if you want to follow along with me. In 2 Peter, Peter says, here's how. Here's how you're to be growing in light of Christ's return. In a word, he says, diligently. In other words, earnestly, seriously, persistently be growing. But there is a prerequisite to growing. Now, as I go through this passage in the 11 verses that start 2 Peter... I'm just going to break it up into little digestible chunks so that we don't get overwhelmed. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, I want you to follow along with me. I don't want you to hear from some preacher boy. I want you to hear from God. Verse 1, the Bible says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained or received like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises, through these, you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption, the depravity, if you will, that is in the world through lust. Peter begins his second letter by stating that every single believer comes into a relationship with God the same way. Every one of us have come to God in the same way, and that is knowing God through faith in Jesus Christ. Likewise, not only is it the prerequisite, it is also the prerequisite for us to grow in our relationship with God. Paul wrote to the Colossian church, he said, as you have received Christ Jesus our Lord, so walk in him. You received Jesus by faith, so walk with Jesus by faith. So not only does the coming 
by faith, but the growing is also by faith. Notice in verse 1 that that faith is not even of ourselves. It's not even of ourselves. It's something that we have received. How have we received it? We received it by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. But notice in verse 3, Peter says that God has given it to us. What does that mean? That means you didn't have it. You didn't even have it. God has given to us everything necessary for life and godliness. Not some things, but all things necessary for life and godliness. And then in verse 4, Peter reminds us that the blessings of salvation are a gift. A gift, again, given to us from God, but we must receive that gift through the promises that God has given us. Notice there in verse 4 again, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the depravity and corruption that is in the world through lust. So, here's how we boil all that down. Faith in Jesus is the cornerstone upon which we come to God. But it's not just that. It is the cornerstone by which we come to God, but it is also the very foundation upon which we build our faith in God. It is faith upon which we build our Christian lives. But notice what Peter points out. He points out that growing our relationship with God, in doing that, there's God's part, and then there's our part. That's what we're going to be learning about today. Let's begin by looking at our part in two principles of growing. Very quickly, there are two questions that you can ask of yourself that will help you to determine if you're doing your part. To help you to determine if you're doing your part to grow in your spiritual life. Number one, am I strenuously submitting myself to God? Now, Whenever I think of someone doing something strenuously, I think of something that's being done with a little bit of sweat equity. Y'all ever heard that phrase before? A little blood, sweat, and tears. You see, champions, they win by straining with sweat equity, putting forth the effort to achieve their goal. And Paul often compared the Christian life to athletics. In fact, let me share one with you. In um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, he writes, Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but one receives the prize. Therefore, run in a way that you may obtain that prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate. That is, he's disciplined. He's exerting self-control in all things. Now, they do it. For, an imper for a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. They do it for a crown that's going to fade away. We do it for a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I run this way. Not with uncertainty. This is the way I fight. Not as someone who beats the air. But listen to me. I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached it to others, I myself should become disqualified. 
athletes. Athletes are people who strenuously strive to win their prize. I mean, they put forth the practice. They put forth the effort. They put forth the blood, the sweat, and the tears. Likewise, Christians should be willing to put forth maximum effort to grow their relationship with God. That way we can win rewards that last forever, not ones that will just rust or fade away. So, first question you should ask yourself, am I strenuously submitting myself to God? Second question, am I lavishly submitting myself to God? You see, submitting yourself strenuously is only the beginning. That's only the start of true spiritual growth. The goal is for us to be transformed. To be transformed into submitting ourselves lavishly our whole lifetime. From this point forward to the day you die. It's kind of like when somebody says, money is no object. You ever heard that? Money is no object. What they're saying is, is that no matter what, no matter what I got to invest, no matter what I got to sacrifice, this has got to be done. It's that important. This has got to be done. My spiritual growth is that important. I believe God says that. Your spiritual growth is that important. Growing your relationship with God is certainly that important. And God has lavished his grace upon us. The least we can do is lavishly submit ourselves to God. So grow to grow our relationship with God, we begin with that prerequisite of faith that strenuously and lavishly submits itself to God for our whole lifetime. On our worst day, you and I ought to be prepared to say, God, I'm not having the best day. Lord, this is one of the worst days I've had. But I'm going to give you my all. And I'm going to trust you to enable me to do everything that I can do for your glory. So, am I strenuously submitting myself to God? And am I lavishly submitting myself to God? But that moves us into what Peter does for us in the next part of this passage. Peter begins to give us some priorities, some things that we ought to be keying on, things that we should be doing in order to grow. Check out verse 5. Peter says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. How about y'all working hard for this? It's important, that important. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness add love. So what Peter's done here for you is he has given you seven priorities you need for spiritual growth. These aren't all of the priorities. These are not all the ways that you can grow. But these are seven good, solid, Bible-based, foundational priorities that you can use. Ways that you can evaluate if you are strenuously and lavishly submitting yourself to God. The first is 
To your faith, he acknowledges that they all have faith. To your faith, add virtue. Virtue basically is courage under fire. Courage under fire. It's the New Testament word for doing the right thing no matter how the winds of our culture are blowing. The winds of our culture will get you to blow just like they blow. Amen. So, in other words, it's the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of this age, that guides our decisions and helps us make the choices for Him that we need to make. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, add knowledge. Now, that means exactly what it says, right? If you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to know God more, then you're going to have to grow in your knowledge of that book. If you're going to grow spiritually, you're going to have to know more of God's word. You've got to have knowledge. In fact, that word knowledge appears five times just in our passage today alone. Our knowledge is anchored in truth, and that truth comes from the Bible, and it tells us that no believer will grow effectively without a deep knowledge of God's word. Add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. Now listen to me, because nobody likes this one. Nobody likes to have to tell themselves no. When it comes to making choices about what we want and what we don't want, self-control is all about discipline. It's all about disciplining ourselves as Believers, bringing our body into subjection, bringing our desires into subjection, discipline. It's all really about putting limits on ourselves in order to reach our long-term goals. Discipline. You see, when if we're going to live for Jesus Christ all our days, if we're going to grow our relationship with God, then we're going to need plenty of self-discipline. If you're going to excel in your Christian life, you're going to need plenty of self-control. Consider professional football players. Professional football players come into the preseason training camp normally in pretty good shape. Now, why do they come to preseason training camp already in shape? Well, if they stay in good shape in the off-season, that means they're already ready for the regular season. Amen? They want to stay ready. Likewise, as believers, Jesus calls you and he calls me to stay ready. To serve him in whatever capacity that he calls us to stay ready. And that's going to require some self-control. That's going to require some self-discipline. To your self-discipline, add perseverance. Perseverance is basically just staying consistent. Staying consistent. Stay in the course. Staying consistent no matter how turbulent times might get. Self-control is what gets the pro football player out of the bed on that first day. Perseverance is what gets him out of the bed the rest of the days. Amen? You've got to stay the course. Got to stay consistent. Consistency is the character trait of all great athletes. 
They stay the course. They stay in good shape. They keep striving. But can I tell you that consistency is also the character trait of spiritual champions. And if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to be a spiritual champion, you're going to have to stay the course. The ability to persevere, the ability to fight the good fight is what keeps us growing spiritually. Add perseverance. But to your perseverance, add godliness. Godliness means that we actually become partakers of the divine nature, according to verse 4. That means that we start taking on more and more of the traits of Jesus. We start looking more and more like our Savior. We start really resembling our Lord. And the more we imitate God as dear children, the more our lives will look like the life of Jesus. And that is our goal. So our part, our part in the spiritual growth process includes living in God's presence moment by moment. Did you hear me, church? I just gave you a, a huge secret to the Christian life. I'm not saying by any means that I do this. I'm just telling you, it's the secret to a successful Christian life. And that is living in the presence of God moment by moment by moment by moment by moment all your days. That's the secret. I didn't say it was easy. I just said that was the secret. So perhaps the best way that we ought to strive to be like him is to do what he said. And that is to be holy for I am holy. Moment by moment, add godliness. But to your godliness, he also finishes up by saying, add brotherly kindness and add love. Now, by putting those two at the very end, what Peter does is he's saying that without love and kindness, nothing else matters. If you ain't got love, if you're not being kind to your brother, nothing else matters. You can be all six of those preceding ones, but if you don't got that, you ain't got nothing got to have love and Jesus in the gospels made it clear that loving God and loving your neighbor was the greatest of all the commandments so when we begin with that prerequisite of faith that strenuously and lavishly lavishly submits itself to God then these seven principles these seven priorities these seven markers of spiritual growth will become to flesh themselves out in who we are Day by day, as long as you start making them your priority in life, you'll begin to grow in your spirit. And living by those priorities then brings about the next point, which is the possibility of growing. Check out verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound in you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, this is a very important issue. Because if you're not growing, y'all, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not moving forward in your relationship with God, you're moving backward. You've got to stay growing. We must stay growing. So here are three things that you can know will happen if you are diligent to grow spiritually. Three things you can know will happen. Number one, you can know that you will have stability in your Christian life. If you're growing spiritually, 
you will become less and less burdened by worry and anxiety. Who wouldn't want some of that? Amen? Now, I'm not saying that you won't have no worry. I'm not saying you won't have any anxiety. I'm not saying you won't have any sin. But what I'm telling you is, is that the more you grow, the more you're able to start taking God at his word. The more you grow spiritually, the more you're able to receive the forgiveness that Jesus died to give you. But you got to keep growing. You remain stable when you remain in step with the will of God. But growing Christians also have vitality in their Christian life. How many of you could use some more energy? Raise your hand. Janet, raise your hand. I know you want more energy. Hey, I want more energy too. Every one of us wants more energy except our kids. They got more energy than all of us combined, amen? It's amazing. But we all could use some more energy. What I'm here to tell you today is, is that when you're growing spiritually, the power of the Holy Spirit will be released in your life and he will provide what is necessary to accomplish God's will in your life. He'll provide the power. It's amazing sometimes on Wednesday nights, I tell Janet, there's no way I can do it tonight. I can't do 24 kids tonight. And then all of a sudden it's 8.30 and I'm on my way home. Guess what? I did it. Or the Spirit did it. <laughs> but I survived. Hallelujah. It's just amazing. The spiritual power that's provided when we stay growing. Now, I'm not saying you won't be pooped afterwards. You probably will be, but all I'm saying is the Holy Spirit will get her done. Amen? So when you're growing spiritually, here's something else. The joy of the Lord will be yours. You'll be able to do ministry. You'll be able to do things for others with joy. Why? Because you're willing, you're able to give thanks in all circumstances, whether you pooped or whether you're not. You're able to give thanks in all circumstances. The good things, the bad things, the high things, the low things, the mountaintop experiences, and those dreadful valleys. You're giving thanks in all things. And as a result, you count it all joy. Now, not only stability and vitality, but growing Christians also have a reality in their Christian life. When you're growing spiritually, you begin to understand the difference between the emotional and the actual. How many of you know that your emotions will lie to you? They sure will. They'll lie to you, and every time they lie to you, it's not what's really going on. They will lie to you. You realize that you may be in the world, but you certainly ain't of the world, right? And when you realize that you're growing spiritually... You begin to work harder. But there's somebody else that starts working harder too. Satan starts working harder. He starts working harder to influence you. Why? Because you hadn't been buying into what he's been selling. And so now he's got to work harder to get you to buy into his plan instead of God's plan. But it also means that I can expect more attacks. If I'm growing spiritually... I can expect more attacks from the enemy. It's just how it works. So that's three things that you can know will happen if you're diligent to grow. Now, here's three things that I can assure you will not happen if you're not diligent to grow. 
Three things that will happen if you're not diligent to grow. Let's see how Peter put it first in verse 9. For he who lacks these things, those, those priorities he listed, he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his old sins. Now I want to preface this section by saying this. A non-growing Christian is an oxymoron. There is no such thing as a non-growing Christian because all Christians ought to be growing. Somebody say amen. We all ought to be growing more intimate with the God who saved us. Amen. So here's some things that will happen if you're not diligent to grow. First of all, non-growing Christians will lack spiritual power. Peter said, he who lacks these things. Now, many professing Christians who aren't growing, the only reason they're not growing is because they're not per pursuing those seven priorities. They're not adding anything to their faith. They came to Jesus one day at vacation Bible school and they ain't added a single thing to it. They're not adding any perseverance. They're not adding any godliness. They're not adding any of those other uh, markers or priorities. And so they lack power. As a result, they struggle with spiritual weakness. As a result, they often struggle with backsliding into sin. And it's all because they're not focused on their spiritual growth. But here's something else that you can expect if you're not diligent to grow. And that is you will lack spiritual perception. Peter said, you'll be short-sighted even to blindness. Now we know that a blind person uh, perceives nothing visually. Can't see anything. But often a Christian who is on autopilot, y'all know what I'm talking about? A Christian that's just going with the flow. A Christian that's just, just cruising along, going through life, not growing, not increasing their relationship with God. They're just on autopilot. A, a Christian who's like that is spiritually blind. Why? Because obviously Satan has deceived him into saying that grow, growing is not important. Obviously, Sin maybe has lured them into a behavior that is not conducive with spiritual growth. Or maybe self has become a priority in their life. Because you obviously see, if they're not growing in their relationship with God, maybe they're growing in their relationship with themselves. And eventually, that spiritually blind believer who's not growing is going to veer his life off into the ditch, and he may take his spouse with him, he may take his children with him, he may take his community with him. But that's what happens when we're not diligent to spiritually grow in our relationship with God, especially in turbulent times. Now, non-growing Christians also lack spiritual privilege. Peter said they've forgotten that they were cleansed from their old sins. Now, a believer who doesn't make it a priority to spiritually grow, can lose touch with what got them there. Think about that. If they don't stay in touch with the miracle of how Jesus saved them, it will become very easy to become less thankful 
for their salvation. If they're losing touch with the miracle of how Jesus saved them and redeemed them from sin, they can even start taking their relationship with God for granted. And what happens then is they become easily overwhelmed when turbulent times come. Now finally, and I'll close with this, we're given a promise when it comes to growing. In verse 10, Peter says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First of all, i got to tell you what God is not promising you. God is not promising you a trouble-free life. He is not promising you a turbulence-free life. But what he is promising is this. If you will be diligent to stay growing in your relationship with God, you won't stumble no matter how high the obstacles are. If you'll stay growing no matter how many turbulent days you endure, you'll never stumble. Yeah, there'll be storms. You might even encounter some hurricanes. Some of them will be bad, but you're able to weather those storms. You're able to move through those hurricanes because you've been maintaining this close walk with Jesus as you wait for his return. So, today's question is simple. How important is your spiritual growth to you? I'm not going to attempt to answer that question for you. But I want you to answer it for you. How important is your spiritual growth to you? And after you've answered that question, ask yourself, okay, what am I going to do about it? Have I grown satisfied? Content? With being on autopilot, going with the flow? Am I content with just, just mediocrity in my Christian life? I don't have to feed it. I don't have to grow it. I can just exist through it. Are you adding those seven priorities to your faith? Your answer will probably determine the quality of your spiritual life. Are you adding those seven priorities that Peter talked about to your faith? That, that answer will probably tell you if you're growing or not. Because if none of those seven are priorities in your life, chances are really good, y'all. You ain't growing. You're on autopilot. Now Jesus promised us life. And he promised us abundant life in him. But listen to what else he also promised very quickly in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, God gives every human being an opportunity to have a relationship with him. It comes by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus put it this way. He said, come to me. Come to me. But that's not the end of the story. There's more. Because he has also given us the opportunity to grow our relationship and become more intimate with God. Jesus said it this way. Learn from me. Come to me and then learn from me. Learn from me. Grow spiritually, y'all. Grow spiritually. Make it a priority in your life. So friend, today, maybe you need to come to Jesus. Maybe you need to come into a relationship with God that can only come through Christ. Today, you can do that by coming forward during our decision song. I'll show you exactly what the scriptures say about how a human being can be saved from the penalty of sin. You just come to Jesus. But you may say, well, Brother Bill, I already did that. Did that back in vacation Bible school about two, three decades ago. Already done that. Been baptized. I'm good. To that I say hallelujah, first of all. But maybe you've realized this morning, man, I've been on autopilot. I have been going with the flow, really living a, a normal human life instead of having a growing spiritual life. Maybe you realize, I've been flying, but I ain't going nowhere. Again, what are you going to do about it? Today is a great day to disengage your autopilot. Disengage your autopilot and instead plug into a new and exciting season of spiritual growth. And you're already in the midst of people who are completely dedicated and devoted to helping you do that. Jesus says, come to me. You see, it's not God's job to chase after you. It's not God's job to chase after you to save you. It's not God's job to chase after you to, to make you grow. No. We come to Jesus and we learn from him. So whatever decision the Lord has spoken to you about making today, I pray it involves either coming to him or being absolutely devoted to learning. Father God, thank you for the privilege and the blessing and the miracle of salvation. Lord, thank you that that's not the end of the story. There's so much more to this Christian life. Father, to even think that we could be used by the hand of God 
to be involved in helping others with their relationship with you. That they could actually, we could actually be involved in the salvation process by sharing our faith, sharing our story. It might be exactly what somebody needs to hear. So Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that needs to come to you today, just let them come. Or if there's someone that's got to be devoted to learning from you, Lord, I pray today is the first day of the rest of their life. They're going to begin a new and exciting season of spiritual growth devoted to being the instrument in your holy hand that will change this world. That's our desire in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Please stand with us.